Momentum Podcast, helping you develop a partner network that enables ministry to happen. Why do you say that? Because I talk more than you do. You need to talk more. It's okay. You say welcome. You need to talk more. Yeah. Say welcome to episode three of the Momentum Podcast. And to episode four. Yeah. Okay. Episode, episode four. You're right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to episode four of the Momentum Podcast. It's Naomi Vandevish here with... Daryl Parsons. And uh, we are Momentum Coaches with Youth for Christ Canada. Yep. In addition to a few other things, or in your case, Naomi, a few dozen other things. Well, your case too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Momentum is one of our uh, one of our uh, favorite things to do. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, especially uh, especially the part about connecting with staff. I, that's my still my favorite part of my job right mm-hmm. now is, is connecting with uh, staff, hearing their stories and the passion that they speak with. Yep. Um, that, that, that's like when I get to have conversations with new staff and drill down into their calling, mm-hmm. oh, I get like just, I, I come away from those calls like inspired. Me too. Yeah. yeah. It's so great. And uh, we, we actually started the Momentum podcast series talking to Paul Robertson about uh, about th- that very subject, calling. That's right. Uh, uh, for those of us that were at the uh, Eastern Region Staff Retreat uh, in 2018, uh, we got to hear from uh, a fellow by the name of Steve McCready, and uh, I'm, we'll let, we can let Steve tell uh, tell his own story. We don't have to actually introduce him, but mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it was a very inspiring message from Steve, and, and a large part of it focused on the subject of calling. Uh, so that was kind of the inspiration for, uh, uh, you know, f- having a follow-up conversation with Steve. Unfortunately, Naomi, you weren't available no. on that uh, on that day, uh, but I was able to uh, very fortunately connect with Steve by phone, and uh, we'll uh, be able to just uh, listen a little bit to that conversation. Yes, and I'm looking forward to hearing it. Hey, Steve, thanks so much for joining us today. Glad to be here, Daryl. I really appreciate you taking some time out of what I believe is a very, very busy schedule. Uh, if I am not mistaken, you are pastoring right now, are you not? I am, yeah. I'm a senior pastor of a church uh, down here in St. Thomas in uh, sunny southwest Ontario. And that, that's just one of the kind of many hats that I wear. I also I serve as a police chaplain, I'm a fitness instructor, and I have a little bit of a leadership consultancy going on as well. Uh, so I keep myself busy. Oh, and I'm in the middle of a master's degree that I'm hoping to graduate from in, in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, it's, it's busy. <laughs> and busy, you've busy, got a young busy. family. I do, a six-year-old and a nine-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they keep me on my toes as well. I mean, there's nothing like uh, trying to write a paper on theology while get your kids ready for bed <laughs> and uh, pack lunches and do all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah. it's fun. It's a fun season. I have to be tempted not to rabbit trail off into a conversation with you about your fitness instructing because uh, I, I need some of that. So that may be a separate conversation we have to have at some point. Awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely. But uh, Steve, uh, you are no stranger to Youth for Christ, are you? No, it's. It, I kind of like this. I bleed youth for Christ. My my entire faith journey has been wrapped up in a in a connection with this amazing organization. Um, I'm from uh, Northern Ireland myself, and it was through the ministry of Youth for Christ as a 17 year old that I really I got connected with the gospel and I got connected with a group of young people who were passionate about Christ, who reached out to me, prayed for me, ministered to me. 
uh, led my brother to Jesus, and then through that whole network of uh, both relationships and Youth for Christ events and whatnot, my own uh, heart came alive in Christ. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I can still remember to this day, Saturday night in Belfast, sitting in the Ulster Hall at a Youth for Christ event. I, th- I think it was a Youth for Christ evangelist that was preaching maybe Phil Cam uh, or Phil Collins. I can't remember one of the Phils. Oh, that's and, uh, that's not a drummer from Genesis you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Um, one of the British YFC evangelist guys. And I just remember sitting there on a Saturday night and I just hearing this sense of a voice saying, hey, Steve, uh, you're going to give me your life and you're going to do this. You're going to stand on this stage and you're going to preach the gospel and the kids in this city are going to hear the gospel through you and i i didn't make any sense that for a long long time but yeah youth for christ was in my journey then and then as a young evangelist i was employed by youth for christ uh, i ran a local center and got to see god do some amazing things through uh, reaching unchurched young people and i was there for about four or five years before uh, and i like to joke about this but before i got demoted to be the country's uh, national director um as a young guy i was about 26 27 at the time and was given the amazing privilege of leading the movement for the entire wow. country of northern ireland and um it was just just a really exciting time in my life and in uh, my journey with the Lord and for my wife and I, we just were seeing God do amazing things. And I think one of one of the highlights as I look back and all of that is really the the thing we're going to talk about today, and that's raising support. Um, actually, after coming away from speaking at the Youth for Christ Eastern Regional Retreat a number of weeks ago, I kind of I joked with my wife that I think I'm ready to raise support again. It, it's just a phenomenal thing to have in your ministry life i work as a pastor now and so i didn't really concern myself with that but i i miss it i miss uh the impact of support raising in my own life partnership that it gives me with people and just just the i guess the excitement of being able to invite people into so yeah yeah that's me that's my story and just a little bit of a snippet but yeah youth for christ through and through that's amazing, Steve. And we are definitely going to have to dig into that a little bit. I, I, uh, I, I know you said something at the Eastern Region Retreat about your journey, you know, feeling like your journey with YFC may not be done. And I tell you, you could literally see like the gophers' heads pop up of all the staff that were thinking, I want that guy <laughs> to, uh, to, to, to be involved because uh, you spoke with such passion. I, I think uh, we, we, we were terribly blessed. Uh, is that that's even, awesome. Can I say terribly blessed? No, that doesn't sound right, does that's, it? That's good. With it. Incredibly with it. blessed to uh, hear uh, hear your story. Um, now we got the benefit of a couple of sessions with you at this uh, at the uh, 2018 Eastern Region Retreat. But uh, in one of those sessions, you uh, you spoke uh, for a little while about the idea of uh, calling and passion. And I'll tell you, it just it just resonated so much. And uh, we have said so many times. Uh, just in these uh, podcast conversations already uh, about how fundamental calling is. And uh, I, I would love for you to, to be able to share a little bit about your perspective on partner development. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm not an expert, but I have about 10 years of experience of, of partner raising or, or fundraising. And, and not just for myself, when you become a national director, you have to you have to raise for others as well. you got to find extra that extra part to get ministries going and so 
um, just raising people, raising funds has just been a huge part of my my leadership journey. And yeah, this whole idea of calling is so so massive for me. And I, and I think I just not discovered that. I think I discovered that more as a boss than I did even as uh, as myself when I was a young evangelist and just thought I could do everything and change the world. And you know, was running on passion twenty four seven. It was really those those tougher years whenever I started leading other Youth for Christ staff members that I began to realize just how incredibly important this whole subject of calling is. And then for the last seven years or so as I've been working as a pastor, of just realizing how fundamental, if you're going to raise up leaders and you're going to raise up next generation um, ministry guys and, and girls, you know, this subject of calling is so, so huge i think it you know reflecting back in the last decade of my life i'm watching so many kind of casualties of war for want of a better term in, in the whole world of ministry i think we we do ourselves an important service whenever we're willing to spend time talking about calling and digging into that and um, one of one of the key i really see that in scripture is um in Paul's engagement with with the next generation, thinking particularly of Timothy and Titus, as he is just so constantly aware of uh, raising up people. I mean, everywhere he goes, every conversation, every church, um, so much of his letters are all about trying to move people forward, raise people up, and then obviously very intentionally around ministry leadership as he tries to raise up uh, these two young men. And uh, you know one one story that really resonates for me in the whole world of calling is uh, found in Second Timothy chapter one. It's the very first verse, um, so nothing incredibly complex in terms of exegesis of the passage or anything. But Paul just introducing himself as um, I am Paul an apostle, and as he says, you know I'm I'm Paul an apostle. You know we could just pass over that, mm-hmm. but it's I think what really grabs me is is knowing that he's writing these words or dictating these words from a prison cell buried below the ground in in Rome. Um, in fact, he's in the famous Mamertine prison in Rome, which was really a septic tank that was converted. They ran out of space and they needed somewhere to kind of run their black ops. This is like a CIA black ops site. And so they wanted somewhere to put prisoners that no one could find them. And, and that, that was Paul's experience. He's put into this prison, lured through a hole in the ground into a dark uh, former former toilet. Uh, I mean, we're talking dark, we're talking horrible, and no one can even find him to bring him the food he needs and the support he needs. And, um, you know, we see that in the text as well, is that um, he had to be searched for, he had hard in order to actually f- find him. So, so anyway, all that to say, Paul is in a dark place, a dark time in his life as he looks towards... Uh, his incoming death, um, all that stuff. He's, he's, I mean, mental health issues are got to be a factor in there. He says that everyone's deserted him, so he's he's struggling, he's lonely, he's he's feeling that sense of lostness. The churches around him are collapsing under the the pressure of persecution, and and Paul introduces himself again as an apostle, a chosen one. And and that's just as I've reflected on Second Timothy, it's gonna be my my scripture. The scriptures really form me um from my young days as a 
uh, first follower of Christ to, to today. It's still a book that I read multiple times. Just that, that whole idea just blows my mind that Paul's calling was what was holding him together in the toughest time in his life. This this encounter that he's had with Jesus on the Damascus Road, this encounter that grabbed him, that kind of set him apart, that ordained him for ministry, he has held tight to that through a life of ups and downs and ins and outs and all sorts of persecution and hardships. And now he's, he's in the, probably the darkest spot of his whole life. And there he is to his calling as his identity as his hope. And so there's just so powerful. I didn't mean to get just so passionate and excited about that. <laughs> but you know what? I'm having a pretty discouraging week myself. And so I'm actually, I'm speaking, but I'm really preaching this to myself. Mm. And, you know, I think that's what Paul's doing here. He, he, he's actually speaking his calling to himself. Everyone knows he's an apostle. Yep. Um, and Timothy knows he's an apostle. I think in saying, I'm Paul, an apostle. Yep. He's actually affirming, he's speaking his calling almost prophetically again. This is who I am. This is who I am. This is who I am. And I think sometimes in ministry, that's a little discipline that we need to rediscover. It's oh, the yeah. art of understanding our calling mm-hmm. and then just continuing to live into it and speak into it and inviting others to do the same. Well, th- th- this is this is powerful stuff. So, I mean, this to me, uh, right now, I'm just thinking about uh, uh, so many staff, you know, who are involved in the nitty gritty of uh, ministry day to day with young people. And there's, you know, there's, there's joy and pain that comes with all of that. But when specifically when it comes to partner development, we, uh, it's easy for us to see what the steps are. You know, we can, we can go to our, uh, momentum resources and, and follow the checklist of ABC for the steps that you need to do in order to, uh, do ministry partner development. But, um, when somebody is 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 in a discouraging place, if they're looking at their account and the balance is not healthy, uh, and 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 they feel the weight of this, uh, they're having a bad week. Uh, I think this is where it gets real powerful, right? Is is yeah. is, is the stuff that you're talking about? I mean, what 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 would you say to that staff person? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I'm discovering again not an expert, but I'm a guy who's in the trenches like you, Daryl, like so many of our friends in the Youth for Christ family, is that in reconciling reality of being discouraged, um, this is hard. This is a this is a tough thing that we've been called to. Mm-hmm. And particularly in a time where there's so much information, um what I'm trying to say is this. I think the huge challenge that we have is um is around metrics and particularly the area of success. What does it actually mean to be successful mm-hmm. in ministry? And I think the pressure of that really pushes in on us and leaves us oftentimes feeling really discouraged, really deflated, um, really lost and just, you know, ready to, ready to walk away. I mean, I, I, my wife, and I talk about this all the time about keeping a suitcase kind of packed mm. because, you know, there's hardly a week goes by in the reality of ministry that we're not, that we don't wrestle with. Are we doing the right thing here? Mm. Is this how we want to spend the one life that we have? Um, you know, it just seems like there's, it seems, I think there's something about ministry that seems like you, you pour in a hundred percent and you maybe get five back. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, I think that's why calling is so important sure. because I, I kind of find myself coming back to that over and over and over again mm-hmm. was, you know, the two greatest leaders in our movement, uh, Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul. And I don't think either of them would be considered sex- successful by our modern interpretation of what is successful in ministry or what is success in ministry. Um, And yet both were ordained and stepped into their calling and faithfully lived their calling. And and praise God, the calling of Jesus was to a cross, uh, to victory over death, to resurrection, to exaltation. And, And we praise God for that. But there he was in the garden of Gethsemane wrestling with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You know, Father, take this cup away from me. I don't want it. And and I'm sure Paul wrestled that many times. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it's just now reconciling that, hey, actually, this is part of it. This is part of the gig. And it, actually, I need to normalize these feelings of I want to quit. I want to be done. I've had enough actually has to become part of how I understand is the normality of a life of ministry. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Cause neither one of, uh, neither one of the, the examples of Jesus or, uh, or Paul look like success from a worldly standard by any stretch. Right. Yeah. No. Um, and I, I think too, you know, when you talk about the importance of your vision and your calling, right. Those things that go pretty much hand in hand, um, you know, if you're if you're communicating with ministry partners and you're you're trying to explain to a ministry partner, you know why they want to be investing in your ministry, uh, you you might be having a discouraging week, month, you know, stretch of time where okay, like no kids, you know, accepted Jesus. You're trying to figure out, you know, what am I doing? Is is is, is having an effect? And uh, what you need to be able to do, I think, in those situations, is go back to that vision and that calling and say, no, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what God called me to, you know, and uh, we are still in the trenches trying uh, to spread the message of the gospel, to try to work with these young people in order yeah. to get people uh, invested and excited about what we're doing. Matter of fact, maybe like oh. you said earlier, preaching to ourselves, getting ourselves excited <laughs> again. Totally. No, I, I think that's, I think that's huge, Daryl. And, you know, for me, when I, when I think about what are the things that, what are the things that I support now? What are the things that I give money to pray about um what have i kind of bought into in this whole area of, of ministry partnership you know I, I obviously i'm shaped a little bit by my own story but you know i have come to the realization that i think that what we're inviting people into is a partnership with our calling mm-hmm. and not necessarily a partnership with our ministry mm-hmm. because when we when we invite them into a partnership with our ministry we we we're exhausted by constantly having to justify our ministry, constantly having to sell a story of success, which there is not. There are not always stories of success. Often, gospel ministry is long. It's hard. It's tedious. Um, it's you know, it depended on the season. It, it could be planting. It's not reaping. Yeah. And you know, even to approach ministry theologically in that way, and and to give yourselves a little bit of space to realize, hey, in every season, we're not going to be leading kids to Christ. Uh, an example from my own life was whenever I walked into the Youth for Christ ministry as a young evangelist, 
There'd been uh, two girls, two American girls, serving in my Youth for Christ location in Northern Ireland, and they had faithfully served for three years in this little town in rural Northern Ireland, ministering to kids, loving kids, pouring their lives into kids, and hadn't seen anyone come to Christ. Mm-hmm. And within a year of me coming to that little Youth for Christ center, I think I've led like 60 or 70 teenagers to Christ. Wow different seasons. Hmm. They had a long, hard season of planting and I got to come in and reap. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, you know, oftentimes when we approach raising supporters as a, hey, let me tell you about all the exciting things that I'm doing, the exciting things in my ministry, um, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But it's also exhausting. Whereas I think one of the places I moved towards was starting to invite people into what God was doing in my life mm-hmm. and why... Yeah why I would love them to partner with me in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then beyond that, you actually have to invite them into the, the kind of brokenness of it all as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know that my partners became like truly the people who were praying for me in meaningful ways, not in a God bless the missionary kind of way, but in the, hey, Steve, you're on my heart. How can I pray for you today okay. kind of way? Mm-hmm. And and I think it was because I invited them into something deeper. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's something something in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we've had some conversations for the podcast specifically around the subject of prayer, and there's a lot more we need to talk about in that uh, in that uh, context as well. Uh, but certainly something that you uh, you're touching on there, too, is is um, this idea that maybe uh, we uh, we get mixed up and we value, you know, the uh, we value the ministry of those that reap over the ministry of those that sow. Uh, And also, and this is, I think, particularly important for any of our uh, Youth for Christ staff who are in more administrative positions, you know, who aren't on the front lines and have to raise support is, you know, they they get uh, challenged sometimes by, is my story, right? Is my, you know, my ministry uh, compelling enough to uh, raise uh, raise partners? There's all of these questions that come into play, right? And... uh, I don't know if we have the authority to do this. I'm pretty sure we don't. But I, I'm liking this idea of, you know, maybe it's it's a little bit, we call it MPD, right? Ministry Partner Development. Maybe to some yeah. extent it's calling partner development. So <laughs> I don't know if we can change that officially, but yeah. no, it's a good I, I mean, and to and have, and right? Totally is. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, we shouldn't celebrate. I'm not saying that we shouldn't highlight our ministries. And that will be... You know, I, I feel like that will always be so, like level one engagement for me. People mm-hmm. going, yeah, you know what? I'll I'll throw a little bit of money every month at that. But there's something I think more honorable in inviting somebody into the story of God in your life. Um, there's something really raw and, and authentic about it. And and I think if you if you rummaged around and dug around long enough in Paul's letters, you'd find him doing exactly the same thing. Um, he's inviting people to partner into his life, his calling, mm. um, more so than he is, you know, necessarily the details, the nitty gritty details of the ministry. Right. Hmm. That is a, um, yeah, that is such a, a, a great insight, Steve. I, I do really thank you so much for sharing that with us. Uh, I think that a lot of people uh, are going to benefit from this conversation and uh, hopefully be encouraged, particularly if they're yeah, going to. Yeah, I mean, I know, time. like, as I as I mentor young leaders, you know, that, that has become a more and more the starting place for me is let's, 
let's spend a lot of time circling around this idea of calling. Mm-hmm. Like there has like where is kind of like ground zero of what God's doing in your life mm-hmm. to to move you towards ministry. If it's if it's just a good idea, you're not going to make it. If it's just because you idolize some other ministry worker or pastor or something like that, you're not going to make it because you know what? It's all the pretty stuff falls away pretty quickly. And then you're left with a tough decision as to whether you're going to, you know, dig deep and learn to plod, which often is what ministry is, is plodding Mm. day after day, kind of what Eugene Peterson talks about, you know, a long obedience in the same direction. Mm. And, you know, Paul himself would say that, you know, this is distance running, it's not sprint. And so the training has to look different. The engagement looks different. And yeah, so for me, the conversation about calling is critical. I, in some ways, I'm really thankful that the guys who mentored me as a young believer when I was 18, 19, 20 years of age, that's kind of where they spent their time was really around me and, and calling. And to the point where I was fortunate enough to have a group of elders actually identified calling in my life, my life before I even knew essentially what it was. It was them who were coming to me and saying, hey, Steve, we see this in you. We want you to be praying about this. Um, we want to send you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's that's pretty cool. And, and as some of the people listening to this are going to be leaders of leaders. Yep. And I think that's a real gift that you can give to emerging leaders and young leaders is spend time with them, helping them process and pinpoint God's stamp on their ministry, his ordination, his calling on them. And help them to be able to articulate that because that, I think, will give them endurance and uh, distance in, in this whole ministry gig. Hmm. That is a that's a really, really good point uh, for the leaders of leaders. And uh, certainly there'll be lots of uh, supervisors and uh, directors uh, who would uh, who would hear this message and hopefully take that to heart. That is uh, wonderful stuff, Steve. I really appreciate your time so much. You got any closing thoughts for us as we uh, sort of wrap things up? Uh, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm just firing all over the place now in my brain because I'm kind of excited. <laughs> I can, <laughs> you know, the passion gets stood pretty quickly. You know, actually just this week, I had a call from a Young Youth for Christ staff guy uh, yeah. that I connected with at the retreat. And um he actually wanted to have a conversation around this subject of calling and mm-hmm. particularly wanted to talk with me about my calling because I'd, I'd been in the Youth for Christ family and now I was in the local church. And what what was that transition? Because, you know, here's a guy and I can see this is now what he's wrestling with. And, mm. you know, I, I'm, I was able to articulate for him, you know, how that was for me that, you know, leading kids to Christ was something that I was really passionate at and, and gifted at. But, I wasn't able to help them find traction in local churches. And so we had all these disconnected disciples. And so for me, it was a a case of, okay, God, I have these gifts and talents. Um, I'm bringing them to you. What's the best way for me to use those? And at that time, feeling like being in a local church, trying to help create communities where when the Youth for Christ worker comes with a bunch of teenagers, they can actually fit. They can connect. They can become part of that that story and so as i kind of articulated my own kind of journey and call into this young YFC guy on the phone this week you know i think one of the things i i was saying to him is 
you know, it's just constantly important to come back, circle back to calling Mm -hmm. because that calling from there to where you are today will give you a sense of trajectory for your life, which will then help you point to where you're going into the future. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think that's, that's huge, right? So many YFC guys are futurists, they're dreamers, they're creative. So they're all in, they're all in the future. Um, But oftentimes without knowing exactly where to be going, and I find Philip Yancey really helpful in that uh, kind of idea that he talks about the best way to navigate the way forward is by looking back, seeing where God has brought you from. And so for me, it's that anchor, that, that calling is this kind of like ground zero where you plant your flag, you plant your anchor of, you know, from here I move out and I move forward and then you see you kind of see your journey from that point. And again, I, I think this is a New Testament thing. I don't think it's just a good idea or a, a leadership thing. You know, when Paul uh, writes to the Romans, he calls them back to their baptism. You know, they, they lose their way and he's like, you know, you need to remember your baptism. And what what is baptism? It's essentially, it's ordination. You know, mm-hmm. you're ordained for the ministry of, of the gospel. And so I think your ordination, your calling, your, that time when God spoke into your life and said, I'm setting you aside, that, that has to be like a treasure. I think that you need to like put it in a, in a bank vault or a big treasure box with 25 padlocks mm. and you need to guard it. You need to guard it safe. Um, everything else will spiral and spin and move, mm. but that's an immovable that I think you hold on to. Uh, thank you so much, Steve. Uh, we've come up against our time here, and I, uh, I just, uh, I feel like in some ways we're barely scratching the surface. Uh, I feel like maybe a future conversation might be in order for a part two on some of this stuff. Well, absolutely, and say if it's if it's a little disconnected, you know, you're getting to know me a little bit, Daryl. It's kind of how my brain works. But uh, well, I, I thoroughly enjoy talking about this stuff, and and I actually I really believe it. You know, that my YFC journey isn't finished just yet, and so when I get these phone calls from YFC guys saying, "Hey, can can I just wrestle through this with you?" Yeah, it's like it's a joy for me, and. Uh, yeah, even since I got back from Eastern Regional Retreat, you know, I've been reconnecting with the West, you guys here in my own time, and uh, just love them being part of such an exciting story again. Yeah, it's very, very cool stuff. And I don't know if it uh, it did come across to me as particularly disconnected. And one of the great things about uh, the podcast format is people could go back and listen because I think there's a, a few rich tidbits in, in what you shared today that we'll be able to uh, be able to uh, stir up some uh, further thinking for people. So, uh, again, Steve, thank you so much. Really no appreciate your time blast. today, man. God bless it you. It was awesome. Yeah. Thanks, and, Daryl. Uh, we look forward to our next opportunity to chat. Okay. Look okay. forward to it. See you later. Thanks Bye. a lot.